This is not your mother's middle age. No longer is waking up each day, living the wash, rinse, and repeat cycle acceptable. We have the life lessons, the relationships, the wins, and the losses with which to navigate to our highest self without hesitation and without fear leading the way. We have been there and done that, and so we have so much to offer the world and each other. So join me on this journey speaking to ordinary women doing extraordinary things for new insights, new ideas, new medical breakthroughs, and new life lessons. You will be inspired to find your best life here and now. My name is Wendy Charles McGuire, and this is your Second Wind Podcast. Welcome to Second Wind, the podcast. Here we are again. If it's your first time listening, thank you so much for giving it a try. If you've been listening all along, thank you so much for continuing to be part of the Second Wind journey and learning where we all go in the second half of life and how we get there and how important that is. And in that effort, I have a fabulous woman that I met very randomly at a new chiropractor's office in Chattahoochee Hills, April. And she said to me, she had said to me and my, the doctor did, the chiropractor did a couple weeks prior. Oh, you know, I have this patient. She would be a really good person to put on your podcast. Let me ask her if it's okay. And I didn't really think much of it. And then the next time I was there, I'm walking out the door and here's this woman. And April goes, oh, this is the person I want you to talk to. And we met very briefly and I met her husband, delightful people. And uh, we exchanged information and here we are. Had our pre-call, all went well. <laughs> so that's good. <laughs> and um, I want you to know who we have today. We have Julia Spinolo. <laughs> Spinolo. Spinolo. Yes. yes. Spinolo. I don't know why I can't say it right. I just call her Julia. But Julie Spinolo, and she is the doctor of nursing practice, board certified nurse practitioner, a Reiki master, an intuitive, and an intuitive coach, an intuitive guide. And I actually said, well, I should probably try. I should see what you're all about. So I signed up for a session, super illuminating, super on point. She brought up stuff that... I mean, we never really met. Like, how would you know? And you didn't like go Google me. There's nothing to Google. And you ha- you nailed everything you knew. And it just once again reminded me that there's more to this atmosphere, this universe, the ether around us, the air, so much more to it. And Julia is an example of that. And she can really help guide you. And she has been great helping me kind of organize things and how I want to approach the next few weeks. And we're going to meet again very shortly, but for now, welcome Julia. Hi, Wendy. Thank you so much for having me. It is my pleasure and my honor. And I'm so excited for the story you're going to share. I'm sure everyone out there in some way is going to be able to resonate with your story. So let's, let's dive right in. Let's go ahead and And talk about that moment, that thing that kind of shifted you and your life and how you were looking at life to where you are now. Right. So um, just to kind of give you a background um, story of me, of where I was 
um, before this major shift in my life, but I was um, very accomplished in my career, um, happily married, figured that life was going pretty well, had a very nice home, you know, again, a great marriage. Um, I was able to travel. And um, so I thought I was doing pretty good. But in um, 2015, I had, um, I was having routine uh, mammograms and MRIs because uh, several years before that, I was uh, diagnosed with having um, BRCA1, which is a genetic mutation for breast and ovarian cancer for familial cancers. And um, so I had been getting scanned um, every six months for since the age of 28. And in uh, 2015, at the age of 42, I was actually diagnosed with breast cancer. And um, it's funny because my husband is an oncologist. And so I had (laughs) the best support system for me. So actually very lucky. But that was the pivotal moment for me to really observe um, how I was living my life and who I was as a person. And a lot of people will have this when they are diagnosed with something that, you know, really makes you look at your mortality. And some people don't. It's funny because they'll get through it and then they move on. And there's the same people um, that they were before because change is very hard. And, you know, people just want to move through life and get to back to where what they are used to and what they're comfortable with their patterns of behavior and their habits. So this journey of me, you know, being diagnosed with cancer. And I remember telling my husband when he's, when we figured out what kind of cancer it was, you know, like what kind of chemotherapy or what treatment I would have. And I I had to, he told me, he goes, you're going to have to have chemotherapy for this. And the first thing that I said to him, I asked him, I was like, can I still drink wine when I'm on chemo? Mm -hmm. And that struck me. And I went, why the hell would I worry about that? You know, you and thought I, that to yourself. I did. I was like, I, I thought about that. And then afterwards, I'm like, this is really screwed up. Why is my first thought of. Am I going to have OK, you're going to have chemo. Oh, but can I drink wine while I have chemo? OK, where are my priorities? Mm. What's really important to me? I'm not worried about the nausea, vomiting, and everything. I'm like, can I have that wine when I have chemo? And I, he was like, well, I really don't know. And then I was like, that made me really step back and be like, okay, girl, what's going on? So it, it did. So it just started me on this whole introspective thing of, and so anyway, going through that. So I was diagnosed. I had to wait a month before I had my double mastectomy. I had to... Wait, you know, um, another month after that to start the chemotherapy. And I just became very healthy, very super conscious of what I put in my body. I did not drink any alcohol. I um, came up with the answer. I did. I was just like, I'm not drinking. I was just like, I didn't want to risk it. And I did. I just started really tuning inward and I started looking at my patterns of behavior one of those drinking, you know, daily. And I wouldn't say that I was an alcoholic, but was it habitual drinking? Absolutely. Cause it's five o'clock. Hey, let's crack open a bottle of Chardonnay, Mm -hmm. you know, 
three, four glasses, maybe more daily. No problem. Go to bed, wake up. I'm functioning. I still have a job, you know, and we always put that rationalize everything. Okay. I have my doctorate, you know, I'm, I'm a healthcare provider. I know what's healthy and stuff like that, but was I really? And, um, and then I started looking at, it's like, well, why are you drinking? And my, my father is a recovered alcoholic. And I was looking at those things of like, am I numbing myself to with what is it anxiety? Is it depression? What is it? And then I started looking at other things in my life. And I was looking at, you know, what did I do? What was my patterns of behavior? And I would like come home, crack open a bottle of wine and sit there and watch television. And then I started looking at what are the TV shows that I'm watching? And I was looking at murder mystery and, um, you know, gossip stuff and, you know, Orange is the New Black and all of that stuff. And I'm like, this is not really high vibe stuff. This is kind of negative. It's dramatic and stuff. So what is that energy bringing to me? Um, And I looked at, you know, my diet and stuff like that. But also the other thing is while I'm going through this process of really looking, I looked at the people that I was hanging around with and friends that I've had for, you know, 40 something years. And how was, how was I related to them when, you know, I had one of my friends that said to me while I was getting blood work done, she goes, well, don't even think about that. I'm going to start wearing this pink ribbon stuff for you and everything. And it was kind of like a, like a joke, but it was like, I started to look at like, wow, how sensitive was that? Or I know that it was meant to be funny, but supportive. And, and then I started looking at my relationship with everybody and looking at my boundaries and what lack of boundaries that I had and what this me, that person at that time, like, okay, why is it that I'm friends with these people? And, you know, and I realized like doing all the work. So I started really digging in to do that self-work who I was as a person, again, my patterns of behavior, you know, why I did the things that I did and why I hung out with the people that I did and the TV shows and the drinking. And I I was a, a closet smoker too, for many years, I would, you know, smoke cigarettes or whatever, you know, when I drank wine. So I was looking at all this stuff and I'm like, this is messed up. So it really was, it was a breakdown a stripping down of the core of, okay, all right, girl, what's going on here? And so I did, I started doing my work and I started really looking at every single thing in my life as I'm going through treatments and, you know, surgeries, I had four surgeries within nine months and, you know, months of chemotherapy and stuff. And it was just like, but I needed it. I couldn't even watch TV anymore. It hurt my head. And to this day, I have not watched TV for five years. I don't even have a TV in my house. Um, wow. I don't need it. Um, and I don't, I just, I don't, and I don't, you know, I may, if I want to look up something online, I'll do that and stuff, but I just, I don't need television to relax or to whatever, you know, that kind of thing. So I've done such a major shift and it's funny because I started um, really with my, and I call it a shift of, of my vibration of, and I believe that everybody has their own energy and um, we're all on different frequencies. And how I describe it is that think of a radio dial. And if somebody is on your vibe, if you like their vibe or they're on your wavelength, they're kind of near your radio station. There's other people that are totally nowhere near your station. And it doesn't necessarily mean that you're better than them or they're worse than you or whatever. It's just that you guys don't vibe. You're not in alignment. 
So what I was finding was that I was not in alignment with the people that I was friends with. I realized I was, you know, I was bitchy. I was snarky. I would look at, you know, gossip magazines. Why would I look at gossip magazines, you know, to find out the scoop of what's really going on? Does that make me feel better that I know that somebody else is suffering or that somebody else is talking negatively about them? So what does that say about me? So I was doing that kind of stuff. Like, okay, really breaking it down um, of what is the, what is my intention of doing everything? Um, What is my intention of communicating with people and how I, how I did things. So what was the intention of my own thoughts and how to make myself feel? So, um, it's kind of, I kind of went on a a whole, (laughs) that's good. And that that will be good for us to break back into that because. Yeah. So it it was a lot of that. That was my catalyst that was boom. Okay. Here's where you are, girl, you're facing your your mortality. If this ah. stuff would have spread, you would be dead in four years. We got work to do. So let's do this. And really within the past, it's been six years now from my diagnosis. And I am, I am a completely different person. Wow. And not that the old Julia was, you know, terrible or whatever, but I, I feel like I've, there's that core me, that inner child me, but I have help that inner child grow um, through this work and to be more confident and more at peace with who I am and who um, I spend my time with. So yeah, and you can sit in silence. You don't need the TV noise. Mm-mm. You don't need the blue light to make you yeah. move out of that. Yeah. Be, which yeah. is, I think what we all want to get to, right. Is just find joy and just being. Right. And that's the thing that I really want to stress is it's not a quick fix thing. I am constantly doing my work because we get tested. We get thrown back. We get people that come in. We get our triggers. We get that. I'm like, okay, it is a constant work in progress. There is not one day that you will wake up and be like, I'm totally enlightened, you know, (laughs) ta-da. It just doesn't work like that. So it is. Oh, darn. I keep thinking it will. No. Okay. I'm going to. It's it's continuous. And, you know, I'm waiting for the day for me to wake up like Eckhart Tolle and be like, just a total bliss with everything. And like, I had just planned this whole thing. That would be <laughs> lovely. But, um, you know, I'm still working on that and it, you know, I don't, I don't see any into it and that's okay with me because it's really discovering those things and what's going on, but also not just turning into that since I've done so much of my own work, I'm able to look at people and have compassion for them now because I see their patterns of behavior and what happened to them. And um, you and I were talking before we uh, was we started the recording. It was that um, the the self work model of looking at you know what happened to us. And there is um, Dr. Perry in Oprah's book of what happened to you. And um, they would like to phrase that and say what happened to you and say what's wrong with you because everything stems from our childhood of how we are today and those um, core beliefs of who we are. And so that's what I look at, but I also look at other people. It's like, you got to have self-compassion for these people. It's like, what happened to them to make them this way? What happened to my friends that are snarky and bitchy, you know, where they have to feel better than somebody else because they have crappy self-esteem. You know, when you look at that, it's not just the, the snarky and the bitchiness. It's like, okay, let's remove that. 
Mm-hmm. What's their intention of doing that? Does that make them feel better than whoever their, you know, their subject is at the who they're talking about? But um, so really it does. So it's not just the work on yourself, but it's your work with relationship and seeing other people for who they are. Um, but also that develops it that gets sort of the judgment, but also it gives you so much compassion, not only for yourself, but for others as well. Right, right. And that's that's what makes you so, so good at what you do. Oh, well, thank you. (laughs) Um, Well, there's a lot to unpack here though. Yeah. Let's go back. Cause you know, like you said, what happened to you? (laughs) What happened to you, Julia? Tell us about who is Julia? Yeah. Um, And you know, when we talk about trauma, a lot of people think it's something that's devastating that will happen to us, you know, being diagnosed with cancer or child abuse or something like that. It was like, well, it wasn't that bad. And when we have neglectful parents or something that is said to us and we, we have that in our memory, a random comment from someone, it could be a random comment from a stranger or whatever, but we have that in our energetic field forever until we could work through that. And that's what people don't realize. They're like, well, you know, you had this, you had food on the table, nobody beat you, you know, what kind of trauma you have, you've had, we, you know, we need to change of what trauma is that anything that disrupts that flow that, you know, that, that brings that self doubt that brings that I'm not good enough. And that is my theme of when I started doing my work, that my common thing was like, I'm not good enough. So where did this come from? So we did. So I started looking back in my childhood and, um, you know, again, with trauma, it doesn't have to be, you know, some catastrophic event. It could just be, you know, I was a classic latchkey kid where my parents would work and we were, my sister and I were left home alone and, you know, they came in and they were, um, we were alone a lot and had to take care of ourselves. Like I remember being at home with my sister, we both had the flu and we were literally throwing up in trash cans and both my parents were at work. Yeah. You know, it's just like the career and their money and everything and their you know, struggling to get by and everything, but it was, that was, you know, I could still see it in my head and I'm like eight years old. And I I remember, and, you know, I remember waking up sick and going to my mom and saying, mom, I'm sick, get up. And she goes, okay, I'll be right there. And like 10 minutes will go by, I go back in and she's asleep. And it was just like, and I was like sick, sick. And it's just like, and my sister came and stayed with me in my room and she's only, you know, 19 months older than me. So it was a lot of survival um, stuff on our own. And that, you know, and I know that my, especially my mother, I know that she loved me. Um, And my father was an alcoholic growing up and he wasn't, you know, abusive, but he was very absent, um, emotionally distant from us. never participated in anything with us, you know, that kind of thing. So that, that's the foundation of me not being enough. I'm not enough for you to go out to dinner with, go to my softball games, go to my band concerts. I'm not, you know, I know that my mother loved me, but I wasn't enough for her to come home or be with me when I was sick or when I really needed her. So it it had, that was the seed that was planted. and. 
you know, did I know that then? No, I did not. And no, how do you know? Cause you don't really, that's your reality, right? Right. That's my reality. You but, it, but it also started with this pattern of rejection. It's, it is, it's a, it's a form of rejection of like, yeah. okay, something else is better either alcohol or oh, my being job or making money, or, right? This okay. is more important. So that's it. That's a pattern of rejection. Mm. So I started this. So I realized, you know, like, you know, going off, you know, you know, having crushes on boys and they would ask some other girl out, or I was not the one that was chosen, or I did have this boyfriend and then I got dumped. And then he, you know, chose somebody that was better. That was chose the cheerleader, <laughs> Julia, just say it. That was a cheerleader or it was somebody else, or I was fat, or I was, you know, and I I allowed this verbal abuse to go in and I had no boundaries because I just was just like, crap, I must be really bad or not good enough for these people. And I did not have any self-esteem whatsoever. So the patterns of that, of being dumped or whatever. And then I would try to make it better by like being friends with ex-boyfriends and stuff just to say, please like me, you know, can we make this right? At least we can be friends. I don't want to be, and I didn't see this, of course. I was like, oh, let's just be friends. But uh, this was me trying to not be rejected. Right. And then, you know, falling out of friendships and stuff like that. And, you know, that kind of thing. So it was constant. It was like this, this cycle of rejection constantly. It is one good thing. Really interesting thing that you said that your mom did for you, which mm-hmm. kind of it kind of set you on your trajectory for the intuitive stuff, mm-hmm. um, which is so interesting to me that your mother, even though she was really involved with her work and wasn't really available to you and your sister. Yeah. She took, go ahead, tell the story. <laughs> when you were like 12. Yeah. My mom was um, younger, six. Okay. Yeah. Well, no, I was about 12 when I had my first reading, but my mother used to, um, she started going to um, psychics, I think, just to get clarity on her life. And I don't know if I had my intuitive, I'm sure I had my intuitive gifts because I remember telling my mother things and she was like, well, you overheard me saying something to somebody or how would you know that, that kind of thing. So when I was 12, I had my first psychic reading and I don't know, I really don't know because my mother died when I was 18. Mm. I don't know if she did that because she saw me as an intuitive child and she wanted to be like, here, here's a psychic. Maybe y'all can talk whatever together. I don't know what her intention was for it, but um, yeah, she was just like, you know, they would give me like a 30 minute reading or something, which I thought was funny. And I thought it was cool. I was like, okay, this is fun, you know, yeah, to predict future or whatever. (laughs) I mean, that's so, that was a gift actually. Yeah, it was. So she can to even think that that would be something that you could and should do. Yeah. Yeah. That, or just, just the thing that my mother did was she did, she opened up opportunities for my sister and I to, to see that there is more to life than what we had. Mm. Um, or what our, you know, maybe what our beliefs were, but having that open-mindedness of, there are these things out here that normal quote, quote, normal people in our, you know, suburb of, you know, South Atlanta don't do that. They, they may think as woo woo, but you know, 
why not? Let's check it out. That kind of thing. So I, I I'm very grateful for those opportunities. That's that really cool. Exposed. And then That's you cool. had, there was a really interesting reading that you had that you thought was ridiculous. Yeah, it was. Um, when I, I think I was around 16 and I remember, cause when I was in high school, I was editor of our high school newspaper. And my goal was to, I wanted to be a broadcast journalist. I wanted to be on TV again, see me, I want, I want that feedback. I want that, those accolades. So I can see my, see my thought process, not cognizant of, okay, this is a rejection pattern and I want people to see me and give me praise. So now I see that after doing, you know, some of my work here, but I did, I wanted to be a broadcast journalist. And I remember the, the lady telling me, and she was an amazing intuitive. She's been uh she transitioned many many years ago but she said to me she goes you're gonna marry a man that's much older than you and he's a and he's a doctor and he's from South America and you're gonna be able to travel the world together and I'm looking at this lady like oh please I said I'm gonna be a broadcast journalist I'm not gonna be in the medical field and this is whatever but I remember it I remember because it was just like what and so it's funny because I, my mother died one week before I started college and I did, I went into broadcast journalism, but then I started thinking, you know, I really like to give back and maybe I think nursing is a really good opportunity so I can work with oncology patients. Cause my thing was that I wanted to be a resource for somebody that did not have resources. Again, looking at that rejected person that was there. Why, why did you get to college and then? I I think it was, I just, I thought that I needed to get back because I really wanted somebody to be there for me during my mother's journey. And nobody was again, rejected. Eye of cancer. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so I was like, you know what? I want to be a nurse. I want to be able to take care of families and be a support system for them. Classic people pleasing behavior that a lot of people, a lot of people do when they have those patterns of rejection or that I'm not good enough. We become people pleasers and wanting that, oh, we're going to walk on eggshells and make sure everybody is just okay with us. Because when we do that, we don't have any opportunity for somebody to reject us. We become doormats. Oh, everything's fine. Everything's wonderful. Blah, blah, blah. So um, I changed my major to nursing and went through school um, with that. And then my first marriage, I was, um, when I got married, I was like, ha prove this lady wrong, married somebody that was in the film industry. And um, that marriage quickly, uh, after four years, I realized that it was not a good idea. And then um, as I progressed, I met my husband, who is a doctor, who is from Argentina, and he's 18 years older than me. And we do travel the world. So (laughs) she was on point. Interesting. Yeah, it was really cool. That is really cool. Yeah. All right. So you decide to go into nursing and you didn't, and you didn't just become a nurse. I mean, let's get that straight. Yeah, no. So I I became a nurse, but then I was, I was a very high achiever again, because I wanted to prove myself because I always had the underlying feeling of I'm not good enough. And again, I was not cognizant of that subconscious feeling of I'm not good enough. I did. I just was like, I'm going to do better. I'm going to do better than anybody that I knew any of my friends, anybody I went to high school with, I am going to do the top and everything. And I did that. And originally I thought it was from that, my first boyfriend where I was like the guy that, and I'll tell you that story in just a moment that 
that I wasn't good enough for him. But really it was because of, you know, my parents, you know, I was just, you know, that I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. I'm going to do better. I'm going to do better. I'm going to show them how successful I can be and how many degrees and everything I could get. So no, I I started as as a nurse and then I moved and um, went back to school and became a, a nurse practitioner. And during that time, my first husband, and I would ask him to help because I was paying for everything. And um, I wanted him to get a full-time job for at least a couple of years so he could have insurance. And, and then I could really make good money and then he could do back. But he did not want to, he was not a person, he said, that could work a full-time job. So I ended up doing everything on my own, going to school full-time, working full-time, graduating with a 4.0, and then I divorced him right after graduation. You supported uh, yourself through all this. Yeah, I supported myself. Like your mom left you a ton of money or anything. No, 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 no. So I I mean, I worked, you know, during undergraduate, I was working three jobs. Of course, my dad, when my mother died, he lost everything because he drank it all away. We lost the house that we I grew up in and everything. So I had no home to go to. So I was on my own at 18. You really were on your own. Yeah. So, yeah, so I did, I I worked my ass off and, you know, I did well. So I did that. I was like, okay, now I have this. And then I was like, you know what? People saw me as a high achiever. They're like, you really should get your doctorate. You would, you know, I was like, okay, so I'm going to do that. So I went to grad school again and got my doctorate. Yeah. And, um, I would not do that again because it was, it was just a lot of work and very stressful, but I got my doctorate. Because I wanted to prove to people that I could do it. And I mean, I love nursing and did, but was I that, you know, in retrospect, was I that passionate about it to have it? No. Did it give me opportunities? Absolutely. But my, my core being was like, I will show you mm. what I could do. Okay. Um, so that's what, that's where all these, um, these things come in. But I'm also, I'm a life learner too. I don't like to be stuck in one thing. So that, which brings me to where I became an energy healer as well. And we can go into that. I I love that. So the segue for energy. So how did you make the switch from the scientific world, you know, into research and all of that stuff and being a healthcare provider to this woo woo kind of field of energy healing. And so when I was, um, when I was starting my cancer journey, um, I went through all of this again. I was doing all of my work, you know, really analyzing myself and who I was as a person. And a year after I finished with chemotherapy, I still had chemo brain, which is a condition where it chemotherapy affects how how your brain feels and how cognizant you are. People call it like fuzzy brain or like they're it's not like a drunk feeling, but I mean, I was very, I'm very type A personality where I'm like, so on point and I remember things. And I, I was doing just stupid stuff where I would like leave the stove on or leave something, you know, on, on the range with the the fire going and walk outside and totally forget time. Or I'd leave the alarm on and then walk out of the house and the alarm's going off or I would be driving and forget where I was going. I was just wow. totally like me. So I was telling my husband, I said, I, you know, I can't stand being feeling like this. I feel like I'm in a fog all the time. And I was just like, I would be on four way stop and just sit there. And I would not move until the car behind me blinked. Cause I would just like zone out. I mean, it was just horrible. And he looked at me, he goes, this may have to be your new normal because Mm -hmm. him being an oncologist, he's like, you know, there are different, you know, 
things we can try, like maybe acupuncture, or whatever. I was like, wow, oh, I don't know. So when I was going through this uh, journey, I started really going and looking at spirituality. And I came across a channeler and a channeler is somebody that receives information from higher source, like uh, spirit, spirit guides, that kind of thing. His name is Paul Selig and his, his work is, was life-changing for me and really supported me. Question when you're, you're dealing with this and your husband who knows what he's talking about, right? Yeah. Oh God, absolutely. That this might be your new reality. And you're like, I can't do this. Yeah. I can't do this. Talking about acupuncture and probably other forms of things like that to maybe help you open up your pathways and all that. What made you go to spiritual route? Well, this is the thing, because I was doing all of that self-work of like why I'm doing things. And you, you, you tap into your spirituality of your beliefs and, you know, what is your purpose here on life and everything in in life. And um, so I started uh, listening to Paul Selleck, who's a fantastic channeler. And um, I had met somebody at a live channeling event and she introduced me to the center for love and light. So I was like, okay, cool. This place is really great. They do um, meditation group stuff. And I was like, well, I'll go to a meditation group with her. So we, I met her there and they have this, you know, maybe 30 people in this big circle and we're doing meditation. I was like, oh, this is really nice. This is like this high vibe stuff that I'm like, and the people were super nice. You know, I really liked how I felt. Um, I felt accepted. I felt good enough, you know. So I was like, oh, ding, ding, ding. These, this is, I'm finding my tribe here. I'm really resonating with these people. So at the end of the meditation group, they said, well, we have um, pranic energy healers here that will, um, if you want a, um, they're doing voluntary healings, whatever. And I was like, I was at that point, like, you know, I survived cancer. I just might as well try it. And I'm what, watching. What is that though? Real quick. Can you, t- can you share with us? What's well, there are different energy healing modalities. Um, and pranic energy is one of those Reiki healing touch. And it deals with, with the energies of our bodies. So essentially everything is energy. We emit energy, even like our, this cup here, this um, desk here, everything is moving in vibration. And if you were to take a piece of your desk here and put it under a microscope, you would see cells that are moving. They may be very, very slow, but everything has an energetic component to it. So even ourselves, so our energetic body. And so energy works with is getting that alignment into your energetic body where you are like at a homeostasis where everything is nice and balanced. Right. So um, that's just kind of the quick um, uh, explanation of energy work or what energy is. So pranic energy is a modality of that. So I'm watching these people sitting in a chair with their eyes closed and these people are in front of them waving their hands and doing all this (laughs) stuff. And I'm like, okay, this looks really harmless. I'm like, I will try this out. So I'm sitting there. And again, I had no intention whatsoever was going on. I wasn't even thinking about my chemo brain at the moment because I was, you know, in la la land from my chemo brain. And, you know, it was just like this constant fog. It was like this, you know, just this, this little, I was in my own world. So I I'm sitting there in the chair and she's like, okay, 
are you having any problems? And I'm thinking as a medical person, okay, my back hurts a little bit, you know, because <laughs> of my mastectomies, you know, I'm not thinking about anything else. I'm like, whatever, we'll just see what happens. So I'm sitting there. It's like a 15 minute thing. I was like, okay. She goes, well, we're done. I said, okay, great. So she's like, how do you feel? I'm like, I feel pretty good. I was just like feeling like normal. What'd you do? Just close your eyes in the chair and yeah, just close your eyes. She's, you know, I don't know what she's doing. Then she kind of taps me on the shoulder and says, she's done. I'm like, okay, poof, I'm done. All right. Okay. I didn't feel anything. I didn't know what to feel. Okay. So I'm driving home. I'll never forget this. I'm driving home from that. And Wendy, it was like, all of a sudden, I feel this surge of energy. And it was like a bing, a light bulb came on. And the fog went away in my brain. Stop. I could literally feel it just dissipate. And I was like, sharp. I was very attuned to what I was doing. I could I was paying attention to the road signs and this, that, and the other, and not just mindlessly driving back home. I was back to me being me, that, that core Julia who was on the ball, very cognizant, focused. And I was like, what just happened? So that started me on my path of looking at energy work. And I did, I found this girl's name and her Facebook or whatever. And I said, I don't know what this stuff is, but you have changed my life to where I am that, you know, for a year, I just thought this was a new me and thank you. Thank you so much. So I was like, I was so in and I told my husband and he could tell the difference and he goes, I don't understand this. I'm like, I don't either, but I got to figure it out. So I jumped down that rabbit hole for months and started looking at energy healing. And I knew I've heard about it before with polarity and I wasn't quite sure. I was like, you know, maybe it's a placebo effect where you're getting it. And then yeah, you're, you're taking okay. your Western medicine. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I was like, maybe, around and you know, if it's, a, if it is a placebo effect, it works. So why not? Why not? I really started working. But when I started understanding what exactly it was, I was like, okay, I can, I can apply this with my clinical brain and figure it out and how to describe it to people who are naysayers or, you know, whatever. And, um, so I did, I started looking at the different energy, energy healing modalities and Reiki really resonated with me. It's very simple. It's, you know, hundreds of years old, um, practice, um, it's a Japanese healing technique. So I started studying that and I studied for several months and went through the different levels of practitioner and became a Reiki master and teacher, uh, level. And it's, it's fascinating because now you can really equate to, disease and what's going on with the person or if somebody's ill and what's going on with them energetically, because within our um, seven chakras of our energy centers in our body, when somebody says, I've been having this, you know, for example, I'm just going to give you a case study here. So I'm about to ask for an example. Give me an example. So an example is, it's like somebody comes in and they're like, I'm coming to see you because I've had GI problems. I've been to a gastroenterologist. I've had an upper lower GI series done. I've had these studies done, these tests done. It's inconclusive. They think it's stress, blah, 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 blah. And I'm still having these stomach pains and diarrhea and all that stuff of what's going on. Okay. That automatically, you know, I'm just looking at the person's here. I don't need to see a lab or anything. I was like, let's talk about your relationships. And they're like, what What are you talking about? I said, this is your self-esteem. This is your self-esteem. And when I started talking with this woman, absolutely right. She had horrible self-esteem. She had abusive relationships in the past. She had neglectful parents. 
And here she's presenting herself because that is our solar plexus chakra, which is right here in the belly. That's where our self-esteem is. So she had so many hits to this energy, our feelings, our emotions, that gut, you know, our emotions, people call it, our gut is our second brain. So everything happens to us emotionally trapped. So energy is, you know, when we think about memories of have somebody says you're not good enough, we hold that in us. Well, that is like every time that you feel that, Ooh, or your feelings get hurt or whatever you absorb that energy and it stays in you. So these manifest over time with get hit after hit after hit. And eventually those will manifest as a, into physical symptoms. Are we literally, oh my gosh, this just came to me. Are we literally swallowing our feelings? Yeah. And it just sits in our belly and our, yeah. Oh, and it will manifest out, but then, but not just with the belly, but like with our heart chakra, if we had a lot of grief, if we had a lot of loss in our lives, people start complaining of chest pain and their, you know, their EKGs are fine or, you know, their cardiac workup is totally fine. And they're like, why am I having chest pains? Well, it's anxiety. What is that anxiety coming from? Well, I lost my dad, you know, this, or I lost my mother or whatever. And you start looking at the history of the losses. Of course you're having this. And then once you work on that energetic balance of their heart chakra, that it releases. And so, um, and the, the, the thing is, the theory is with energy work is that energy is going to go where it needs to flow, you know, where those blockages are. So you could be doing Reiki on somebody and not just that specific chakra, but it releases all of that energy. And it sounds so woo woo and so weird. And it's like, well, people are like, well, how exactly does this happen? And with Reiki, I feel that it's like, I can't really tell you, but I can show you. And that's evidenced by with the people that I see that they feel better. So like with this particular person, and it's not a cure-all, I, I still believe in conventional medicine. So I bring that conventional medicine and holistic uh, medicine together. It's like, okay, yeah, you still probably need some Prilosec or something to take for this, but let's do this and see how those balance out. You know, I'm not an, you know, anti-medication person or whatever. I think that you can have a nice balance between the conventional medicine and the um like uh, Chinese medicine or healing um, energy, having all of that, having all those resources, say, and being on one side of the camp or the other, I follow in the middle. Um, so, you know, her symptoms went away because we started doing the work. And I, I don't think that I am the, I refer out, I'm like, you need a really good psychologist for this. So I think you need um, EMDR, which is a great a holistic alternative to taking antidepressants. Do this, work through your trauma, you're going to get better. What so, is, yeah, that was one of the things I had to, um, on my notes to ask you, what is that EMDR? What does that stand for? It is, um, eye movement desensitization reprocessing. And oh. it is a model <laughs> of, um, basically what I call it is getting rid of those, uh, stinky thinking, um, thoughts that we have. Mm. So what it does is you, you can either do this with like a strobe light or drumming or tapping or, um, finger movement, like a metronome and your eye movement. So basically what it does is it changes those synaptic connections in your brain of the traumatic, um, thoughts and, um, memories that you have of how you feel about those. So for example, somebody that was sexually assaulted, um, to go back. And this is the thing with, of course, with any kind of therapy that why a lot of people shy away from it is because it brings back those traumatic memories, but you have to bring those up in order for those to be healed. 
so with EMDR, they, the practitioner, and unfortunately I'm not licensed to do this. I would love to be able to do it, but I would have to do some more credentialing and stuff like that. And I feel like I've had enough school so far, (laughs) but it's, it's a, it's an amazing thing where you bring up those memories and, um, they do these exercises to help change those synaptic, you know, connections there of, okay, this traumatic event where people are actually can get to a point of being in a state of forgiveness for their attacker and not having those triggers come up. So basically it gets them to say, okay, we moved on from this. I'm no longer triggered by this, or I am less triggered by it. I think anybody that's had any kind of emotional distress, EMDR is a fantastic tool. It's not a medication that you take that can have adverse effects. People can have three or four sessions and be totally fine with how, with the try. I mean, I'm talking on like that can people that have been in therapy for decades have had EMDR done and are so much better even after a few months of that compared to therapy because it really does. And it's like, it's a component of therapy too, because I think therapy is very beneficial, but this is a tool that is fantastic. And, um, I'm such a big advocate. So people that are interested in that, if you, and I love to give, you know, tools out for people to help work on themselves. So if you go to emdr.com, um, of course I don't get paid for any promotion or anything. <laughs> Maybe I should, because I scream it from the rooftops. If you put in your zip code, they can show you which different practitioners are certified in that. You have a, you're part of an entire system of healing. Yeah. So what I, what I like to consider myself as a guide for people. Okay. If I can't do this and I'm not a curiosity, okay. Energy healing. If it's not for you. Okay. Let me give you some resources that you could try. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it is, it's all about the, the possibilities and things think, you know, energy healing may um, resonate with you and it may not. And that's okay. It's nothing against me. It's just like, that. Nah, that's not my thing, but maybe I'll try EMDR and that might be the thing. And I am like all for it. It doesn't hurt my feelings. It's just what you need at that moment and what's going to work for you. So, so you get through your, you're, you're doing your, all your stuff. You study, you became a Reiki master and that yeah. ain't easy to do. That's no. of the high. Yeah. And, and how did you decide to, or how are you funneled into doing what you're doing now or led to the, the practice that you're doing now? Right. So I, I use my clinical expertise to help me with what energetic imbalances are going on in a person. So that clinical aspect of it, I was like, okay, I'm telling you, you're not crazy because you're having these things and the doctors can't find anything wrong with you. Right. Um, so let's work on this, but also let's bring in therapy. Let's bring in physical therapy. Let's bring in these. So I'm like grabbing at the resources that I think that can help this person. And sometimes people just see me and I'll give them a list of things like, oh, this is your plan. This is what you need to do. And they don't see me again. And I may hear from them, you know, a month, maybe a year later. Thank you so much. You started my journey. I have seen people that I've worked with that, you know, I'm like, okay, you need to work on your drinking here. And they were alcoholics. And I have, you know, one of my clients is now sober because I was like, here, let me give you, this is what you need to do here. Contact these people. This is what you need, blah, 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 blah. And they did it. And now, you know, look how wonderful they're doing now. You know, so I help, I kind of push people onto that, you know, healthier path. Um, 
so that's where that intuition comes in. So again, I'm, I'm bringing my intuition, I'm bringing my clinical background, I'm bringing in the energy healing as well to say, okay, how can I help this person the best way? And it may not be me doing energy work on them. It may be them going to EMDR, going to counseling or going to an AA group, finding their tribe is if I can help guide people into their way of their healing and their path, um, then I've done my job. And again, if it's just one, you know, treatment or whatever, you know, that's fine with me. Do you have, can you think of, I know you've helped many, many people. (laughs) Once you decided, okay, I'm just going to do this. This is going to be my approach. Yeah. um, Which is very successful for you. And it also allows you the flexibility to travel with your husband. Yes. The psychic said you needed to do. (laughs) Let's not forget that. So do you have an example of just how you help someone from start to finish and you're like, yes, this is it. Well, I mean, like, because they're like one that just sticks out, like comes right to your mind. Well, yeah, there is. Um, there, there's, there's several, but I, I talked about like the lady with the GI stuff and the guy right. that was, you know, with, with the alcoholism and, you know, doing better and just thriving. But I had a particular client who had her first session with me and we're going through this stuff and you've been through what I do. So, you know, it, so we, we think of a mantra and we go through that work and we, you know, you feel the energy of, you know, that kind of thing. Well, it came out that she had been sexually abused when she was a child. She had never told a soul because what I, when I was doing the energy work, it releases and she's bawling and I'm like, okay, let's calm down here. And it brought up all of this childhood trauma. And it just released all of this of like, this is why I've been the way I have been. I, she never told us all, nobody. I was the only, the first person she told, I was like, okay, so this is what we're going to do. So I got her set up with a counselor, you know, EMDR did all of this stuff now. And she's still in the work and process progress, but she's thriving and she's doing great. So you know, I, I believe that she was at a point where she was almost suicidal. Wow. And I think because of that, she is thriving now. And that just makes my heart full of, you know, being a witness to her and holding space for her, for her to go through that ugly process but releasing that and now continue, because again, it's not like, you know, you do the work and poof, you're enlightened and yeah. you're, you're Buddha or Eckhart Tolle, you know, that can happen that, you know, it is, it's, it's this continual work and I'm constantly working on myself and reading and researching. And I'm like, okay, this triggered me. What's that about? You know? Right. Why well, am I feeling this way? We're not here just to take an easy little yeah, it is. It is. It's you know. It's we're we're spiritual beings in a human body. Yeah, and figuring out what this human body can do, and that's what's so fascinating about it is that people don't realize you just like here we are. You know, see what your body can do. See what you can do. What you how right. you can grow. So, right. yeah, that is amazing. So so basically, our bodies hold 
everything that happens to us, it, Absolutely. Just, it just encapsulates it. Yes. All. The person that cut you off in traffic. I can remember people that cut me off in traffic and flipped me a bird and I was like heartbroken. I was like, oh, but I didn't need to, you know? And I'm like, what the hell? But it's like stuff like that. It's like yeah. those things, it accumulates over time. Oh yeah. And, yeah. and especially in our second half of life, it's good to release this stuff so that we can now do the work we're here to do. Absolutely. And, exactly it, and that's the thing that I, I find, and it gets frustrating because people don't want to do it. It's hard. Change is hard. People don't want to change. People want the status quo or they'll stay in a shitty, excuse my language, a crappy relationship <laughs> because it's comfortable and they don't want to rock the boat. And they're afraid. Right. So many people are afraid of change. And it's just like, you know, I'm a change agent agent for people. Yes. That's exactly you know what? who you are. And I'm like, there, there is more to life than this. And I was communicating with somebody who has this boyfriend and it's just like, what are you afraid of? What is the worst thing that could happen? You know? And she's like, we're done. We're fine. And now she's still with him. And I'm like, why? You know? Well, because I think that people aren't willing to surrender and know that the universe is there to catch you. Exactly. the worst thing that can happen is not the worst thing that can happen. Exactly. And that's it. I mean, I think that was, you know, another thing what cancer will show to you too, is like, okay, it is because I, oftentimes I will want to just scream. And that's the other thing too. I limit, I don't watch TV. I, I limit my social media exposure. I have a timer on my phone and everything because I'm like, this stuff doesn't matter. Right. <laughs> It really does. There's so much more to life than this, you know, being out in nature and enjoying, you know, travel and different cultures and stuff like that. Um, what how you surround you, yeah, and how you, how you learn and how you grow as a person. Um, that's what matters. Right. And And what you choose to surround yourself with. Yeah. So you have chosen, I'm not going to have the negative. Yep. I'm going to limit exposure. Yep to the stuff that I don't necessarily think is important in life. Yeah. I'm going to keep my vibration high. Yeah. Those things. Yeah. And it's not that I wake up every day and feel amazing. No. I mean, I have my down days where I'm like, right. What's this all about? You know? So it's, 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 it's a work in progress. Ebb and flow. Ebb and flow. flow. I know. And it's like, okay, what is this? And sometimes I'm like, Okay, I need to take a break from spirituality, you know, for a few days or whatever. And so, you know, we're human and it's a, it's a process. So it's not like I'm the the enlightened one <laughs> all the time. No, but-, but you're a conduit. You're a vehicle. And um, people like you, I think, are plopped here for a reason. Yeah. And you are here to serve others in such a magnificent way, when, <laughs> in whatever is best for them. And I love that about you. And I, and, and you just bring this very, it's all, so you, you're almost making the unseen, as you call it, woo woo stuff, more black and white for people to wrap their brains around it. Yeah. Which is so important. That, you know, because there's so many women and men too, you know, especially where we've harbored like this, the whole thing of, you know, I'm not good enough. And it's just that Mm -hmm. we are all wonderful beings and, you know, to have, first of all, to have that self-compassion. Um, there is a, uh, a psychologist 
that her name is Kristen Neff and she has um, um, a book called self-compassion. And I recommend that to a lot of people, but it's really how to love ourselves. And then when you're able to do that, you can extend that to have compassion for others Um, because you know, a lot of the times when we are the, I'm not good enough. So we are the people pleasers and we're like, Oh, I really shouldn't, but I'm going to do this because I want to appease this person kind of thing. And what I find is that when we truly have that self-compassion, we do, we, it, that admits out to everybody else. People feel that vibe of like, Oh, this is a really good vibe. And yeah. again, it's not being, um, self-centered. It's, it's essential to, for, for a healthy life is to have that self-compassion because you you're born alone and you die alone. Yes. And so that in between time, you all the thing that you know for sure is you always have yourself. Yeah, the person looking in the mirror is is really who you need to Yeah. To press. Yeah. Just that person in the mirror. When you're standing in the mirror, I should say. <laughs> <laughs> Just so if Julia if there's one thing that you've learned in your journey, you're you're your childhood, the obstacles, the feelings, the, then the not good enoughs, and then the battle for your life. With mm-hmm. cancer. Yeah. Now everything you have, there's one thing that you can share with the second wind audience. Like give us a, give us a takeaway. Well, there's a few. Okay. Um, <laughs> and the big thing is that regardless, everything is going to be okay. Regardless of how, whatever the outcome is, everything is going to be okay. Mm-hmm. That there is so much more out there and not in this lifetime, but in the universe that is so wonderful that we aren't even aware of. And everything, you know, what is, you know, and you talk about purpose in life, but, you know, your experience of being here on this planet and what you do, you know, everything is going to be okay. And it doesn't disregard of anybody's struggles or traumas of what they had, but, you know, doing that work has made me realize that, you know, if I don't make it through this, it will be okay. You know, everything's going to be okay. And I think that gives a, a sense of peace of having that, of knowing that. And a lot of people um, don't get to that point. But that's one. But also the other thing is that I really instill in my clients is that with other people, you want to honor their choices and honor their path. Because one of the things that I realized that I do is that I like, why do they do it this way? Or why do they do it this way? And how can they didn't do it this way? And blah, 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 blah. Why don't they see it? This is, you know, common sense, whatever. People are here on their own journey. And whether they die by addiction, suicide, or whatever, we have to honor their choices in their path. They might not be the choices that we would make or that we think are correct, but maybe their soul is here for this experience on earth. And we could, you know, go into a different podcast of talking about reincarnation, but their purpose here on earth is for this, this path. And whether that be a learning opportunity for somebody else, their children, or somebody that sees them on the news or whatever, honor their journey, honor their path. Don't try to change anybody. You could try to encourage people, but ultimately we're here for our own journey and our own path. So that is um, one of the other take-homes that I have to leave with others. 
It's good stuff. It's it's a little bit of the, you know, make your hair stand. Yeah, up. because I mean, people look at their children and they're like, I want, you know, they want to be the helicopter mom. You know, I, I know people that have children that are um, heroin addicts, you know, mm-hmm. and they've gotten to that point of, oh, this is their journey. This is their path. We'll love them from afar, whatever. But maybe that's just it's their choice, right? We're, we're yeah. born with free choice, free will. Yeah. yeah. We can't change that. I'm, I'm struggling with that now with, uh, with some people in my life. And it's just like, I can't make them. When, when you do that, when you have that mantra, honor their choices, honor their path, it releases you. Right. Um, from, you know, the, the emotional turmoil of it. Any expectations, any, yeah, yeah it yeah, does. Totally. You're right. That's Julie, something I had to learn too. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, as women, I think that that's something that we all have struggled with, still struggle with, or are trying not to struggle with. And I think that's really important for us to figure out. Right. And I think that a huge part of that is, is this control factor of how we think people should do others. So what is that saying to me about myself? It is a control issue. That is a self-esteem issue. And when you want to be controlling for somebody because you don't feel grounded enough in yourself, where you're okay, and you're the Eckhart Tolle sitting on the bench and just watching people go by about their lives, that's a control. When people try to control you, there's something going on with their self-esteem where they are not grounded enough or they feel that they are not uh, good enough. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, classic. Yeah. But it happens every day, all the time. Mm-hmm. People are like, oh, they just want to control this thing. Okay, what is this doing? That's that deep work. That's that. Woo, girl. Yeah. <laughs> well, you can do it. So how do people find you? Well, people they are going to want to talk to you. Oh, that's wonderful. Well, um, they can look at my website, which is uh, juliaspinolo.com. It's J-U-L-I-A-S-P-I-N-O-L-O.com. Um, you can read about me there. My schedule is there. You can just book online right now. I'm doing, um, distance healing because we're still in this pandemic. Um, and I am traveling a lot. So, um, when things settle down, I will be opening up in-person sessions, but, um, we do zoom as you had your session via zoom, um, just as as effective. So it's, it's pretty fascinating stuff. So that's how people can find me. I love it. Yeah, I can't thank you enough for your time today, and I will be signing up for my next session. Yay! You, um, because there's just so much to learn, and I love how you just hone right down in and make it very like I ask a lot of questions, as you know, and you are able to answer them in a way that makes sense. Yeah, something that I can wrap my brain around and think about in times of need. In times yeah. Of, oh yeah, that's what Julia said. Oh, this is what's happening. Oh, I know how to handle this. Yeah. That's good. Good stuff. So Julia, thank you so much for your time today. Ah, thank you. Thank you. I'm so glad I ran into you at the chiropractor. Me too. The yeah, we're gonna get her on. She's one heck of a healer as well. Oh my gosh, she is. I love her too. She was I don't know how she does it, but we're gonna find out. That's what we're gonna do. Yes, we are. <laughs> So until next time, breathe in your second wind. Thank you for listening today. I hope that something you heard made you smile, made you think, and made you feel. 
If these incredible stories empowered you, awakened you, or left you feeling inspired, make sure to share with a friend and write us a review on iTunes so we can continue to change lives through this content. Make sure you tag us while you're listening on our Facebook group, My Second Wind, or hit the link in the show notes to join the conversation. Until next time, go ahead and breathe in your second wind.